All right, should we do this? All right, this is Trading Spaces. We haven't done them for a while. Um, we do these in support of our podcast on the tape podcast that we do. Danny Moses, who's on right here, Guy Adami, myself. We are sponsored by CME Group. We also have a new sponsor called iConnections. That's a great organization you're going to hear a lot more about on our podcast on the tape. And we're going to have a special two times a month off the tape. So let's get into it. Yesterday on the podcast, we were recording at the same exact time. It was 3 o'clock. Uh, the market was raging, right? Uh, the S&P was up uh, 2 plus percent. The NASDAQ was up 3%. Uh, I guess investors were really geeked up about what Facebook's, um, I don't know, didn't didn't say, didn't say. I don't know if that was the case. But we were you know, recording before Apple and Amazon. So we all wanted to come on and talk a little bit about this. Danny Moses, first, any impressions about the whipsaw action that we've seen this week? This is a week that we saw the FMAGA complex all report earnings. Yeah, it's not good, not healthy. These moves, I don't care, up or down, are not signs of a healthy market. And we are losing, you know, some of the horses, as you've talked about, Dan, and they're going one by one. And they're resetting. And and if they truly reset to what could be, you know, let's call it 20 PEs, 23 PEs, we still have a way to go here. And so I think this is, we talked about it, when the first quarter gets reported, you'll start to see signs for some companies of inflation. Um, some of them eat it, some of them don't, some of them pass it on. Um, and I just think this is, I think this is the sobering moment here. And I keep thinking when we have these type of Fridays, when that, when that Monday is going to be right, when is it, when is that Monday going to happen? Um, and everything's lining up. That it's Wait, soon. does it have to be a Monday, Danny? Does no, it, have it doesn't to be have a black to be, Monday? but normally you get two to three days of pent up, you know, pressure and it unleashes, but it is May, right? So this is sell the week before May and go away, but this is, this is not healthy. And look, I mean, I know we're going to talk about her because I have to have been holding it in. But this Kathy Wood interview uh, that I saw a couple hours ago, it was it was a science fiction show. And and I honest, love science fiction. honestly, by the I, way, you mentioned I know I'm off yes. the rails because it's Friday and I don't particularly give a shit. So but you say Monday morning, which is a great song by Fleetwood Mac. Monday morning, you sure look fine. Friday, I got traveling on my mind. Back to you, Dan. All right, so guy, guy, what yeah. was the most important thing that you saw this week? Like, what was the most in, like, 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 like the thing that stuck out? Because again, we had Microsoft. I'll tell you um, what it was. Yeah, I'll tell you what. My, I mean, amongst the many things, the obvious things, I think the market rallied yesterday. And again, just my opinion on the back of the misguided belief that that negative GDP print was going to put the Fed on hold. I think that's what people were trying to get ahead of that. And the fact that both Amazon and Apple were reporting and everybody gets all geeked up, especially for Apple, because as I've heard a number of times, you own Apple, you don't trade it, which is great. So I think that was it. But, you know, there's still people out there that believe that the Fed's not moving because, the market's selling off. Well, you know what? R-O-N-G, wrong, people. The Fed's got to move because they're screwed. And I think Danny would agree with that. Hey, Danny. Uh, Dan, you, you cut me off right before that. But I was going to say, Kathy Wood was tweeting out earlier in the week, like, hey, Fed, are you watching? Basically, please help. What's happening? When she started that fund in 2014. She had other iterations in her career. But again, there's a whole slew of people I'm watching on Twitter tweeting like, no, the Fed, they're watching. Believe me, when the market starts to go down, they're, they're going to do something. And I would say the last all this data we've seen the last few days is stagflation. You are basically it's getting closer and closer when you have a PCE and wage number like you had here. But then a PMI number, which disappoints in a GDP number. Yes, there's a lot of stuff in there. And yes, consumers were still spending, but 
you're starting to, to get a glimpse and it is starting to impact everything. And so that starts to happen in, in the face of the worst metric. The one thing the Fed watches the most is PCE. And the biggest fear they have is wage price spiral. And that is right in front of us going into a Fed meeting next week. So it is not this this is is not a great setup. So I just, you know, wanted to mention that. Yes. Yeah, well, yes, yeah. yes. You're I mean, absolutely. And you know, everybody they they want this is what they wanted. This is what they were begging for for years those dipshits. Whoa. We want inflation. <clears throat> we need inflation. And I said it for how many times did I say, be careful what you wish for people because you just might get it. And guess what? They got it. Now they think they can stop it, and they can't. You know what? Tough shit. Sorry, Dan. You continue, please. You seem fired up, guy. No, because you know what? Everybody bows at the altar of these assholes. But, you know, they don't know any – you know, I say it all the time. I'm not smart enough or humorous enough to be an economist, but I saw this coming a mile freaking away, as did Danny. Um, Danny. JP Morgan making a new 52 week low today. It's trading at 120 heading into the weekend. The stock's down more than 25% from its highs in the fall. It never confirmed any of the new highs in October, November, December, January. The S&P made a new all-time high in January. Remember that the first week of the year? What do you make of the banks? What are the banks telling us about this kind of very confused macro environment because you just mentioned the data is, is is screaming stagflation again. There's a lot of new entrants to the market. We have no idea what exactly that means and what it means for asset prices. What is J.P. Morgan telling you about this environment? That I know that the guy just said that that um, negative GDP print, and you know, I, I think that was something that really stuck out in the way the market reacted to that. What is J.P. Morgan now making new 52 weeks or, or really year and a half lows telling you? I think you got to start to fear that there's other losses in other pockets or loss of customers, potentially loss of, loss of revenue. When you see the dollar move like this, we all know about the carry trade. We talked about it with Stuart yesterday. You know, that's a, that's a lot of volume and things. And the calendar just keeps shrinking as far as the IPO calendar, right? I think there's been 12 or 14 total this year, something like that. The M&A stuff is slowing down with the exception of crazy, you know, egotistical, maniacal people that want to go buy companies and take them private at 43 billion we could talk about that but there's not just that the capital markets are slowing and and assets are leaving so i think it's just fundamental in terms of how these banks are performing and they, they no longer trade they're detached from quote higher rates at this point and i think the mortgage market is slowing down we're seeing evidence of that the consumer is slowing down we're seeing evidence of that and you will see the banks start to split up between the consumer heavy banks the Wall Street heavy banks, the international heavy banks and things like that. So you will have opportunities when the when they throw everything out to potentially buy things. But what do you lose? What do you gain by now by owning the banks? I don't I think people feel like they're not going to miss anything. Right. There's there's you're not going to you will see it coming if, if business fundamentals will return. And so first quarter. Right. Not great. Second quarter outlook. You got to figure numbers are going to start to come down in 2Q. And then you go into the summer slowdown, which you always normally have. And volatility remains elevated. And so long-winded answer to your question but i just think there's no catalyst to own yeah my, my only point the reason why i asked that question is that i've been in the business for 25 years and anytime bank stocks were leading to the downside like this which they clearly are they're doubled the performance to the downside of the s p 500 
<clears throat> you know, from the highs here, um, that's telling you that something you, you probably don't see is coming. That's just, I, and I don't mean, this is not like the bear cave here, people. We didn't like kind of log on today just to freak everybody out before um, a long weekend. It's just like, I'm just telling you based on everything that I've ever done in the markets over the last 25 years, that like, like JP Morgan, um, like quietly declining every day but, and to be down 25% is just, it, 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 it I don't know. Doesn't it? Doesn't it seem Dan, like something's lurking? I mean, yeah. Well, they, Dan, I Dan, I think we've seen. So they did the deal with Carvana, where they basically pulled the committed financing for their acquisition. Right? It was a large number, multiple billion dollars. They just pulled it. So I think they're they're not the only bank that's starting to look at deals that are pending and or pulling credit and or you know taking warehouse lines back and things like that. These banks don't want to go through what they did before. They don't need the scrutiny. They see what's coming better than anybody. Because they know what the Fed has been giving us for the last 13, 14 years, and they know it's leaving. And so I think that's all you're seeing is just turning the volume down, I think, in the business. And possibly you may have some problems uh, under the hood at these banks. And they've proven once again and again that they, if there's an opportunity to blow to blow up in, in a certain product, they will be yep. there. So we'll see. Hey, hey, Guy, going back to Danny's um, comment about uh, Kathy Wood, I didn't see the interview, um, and I, I haven't seen anything reported about it. But so, so the fact is that she was basically tweeting directly to Fed Chair Powell, um, like, like, help, please save us here. Um, do you think no, – um, Is that did, right? Seriously, no, no, I no. That, Danny. I mean, that was on Twitter, but more she was trying to – No, on Twitter. On Twitter. Justify her out. portfolio on CNBC. Sorry. So yeah, today, it's, yeah, and it sounded Trumpy AF, if you know what I mean, um, trying yeah. to kind of like kind of jawbone the Fed into doing something that they shouldn't be doing. Um, but, Guy, what, what is your take if that, that there are pockets of managers out there who are now their only hope – is to like pray that the Fed pivots, and you know we have this meeting next week. The last you know time the I mean, Fed no, raised fifty basis points, yeah, you know, go ahead. they might think that's what they want. But if the Fed pivots there, and I think Danny might Lights agree out. with me, is this? It's even worse. It's yeah. even freaking worse. So you know, you know, you think they're going to come to your rescue? If they pivot, the market might go up for a day, a week, whatever. But that's going to be that potentially the most bearish thing that could happen. Honestly, because then they're admitting they're screwed. Dan, so, she. Dan, she named her complex after the Ark of the Covenant. We know that. Um, she has a better chance of finding the lost Ark right now, <laughs> right now than she does of turning that portfolio around. I mean, honestly, yeah. there's there's just no chance. And the stuff she was saying, anyway, we don't have to spend time on it. So, but, well, Danny, where yeah. does where does this Ark Investment Trust go when Tesla goes back to seven hundred dollars? I, I mean, mean it's ten percent of large... the fund. I mean, it's ten yeah. percent. So this is, I think, there's seventeen or eighteen billion and dropping total in the complex. I think. The main fund, the ARKK, is around eight billion at mm -hmm. this point, or something. And what you're seeing is the stuff she can't sell is becoming bigger and bigger, and she's going to be trapped in these what we used to call honeycomb hideouts because yeah. she can't get out of them. There's just no way. So um, these active ETFs and what she's done, she has a 75 basis point management fee. Uh, I think is what she gets. You're going to get to a point if you start to get below 10 billion dollars in total assets, and yes, still bringing in a lot of money, but you have to start to question the viability. And let me tell you something else. She had a job opening that she posted. I thought this was striking to me. She had a job opening that she posted. She's looking for a controller. Someone to come in and manage the day-to-day -day operation, okay? She's you know what for... I'm looking for? Hold on. I'm looking what? for a lover that won't drive me crazy. There you go. The there. No, but think about it. She's looking for a controller. She's looking for um, an internet fintech associate to blame everything on, I guess. She's looking for a PR manager and communications manager. Like, honestly, the senior positions, two of the senior positions, PR manager and controller, 
you know, maybe she thinks not getting the job done. She's looking for scapegoats, but that's a little yeah. terrifying to me. All so. right, so, so Danny, yeah. you just mentioned some maniacal something. I, I can't remember what you said, but Elon Musk <clears throat> selling $4 billion worth of stock to help finance his purchase of Twitter. Do you think this is all just a big ruse just to give him a big excuse to just sell out of Tesla? I know that there's a lot of people who like tweeting about that. <laughs> uh, I'm just curious. First because- of all, yeah, yeah. whoever <laughs> executed those trades, I assume it's Morgan Stanley. I never saw a broker tag to it though on the one on those sales but like where they stick them in an algo 20 percent of volume like the worst execution of all time i mean granted i think the stock's nowhere near worth where it is right now but for it to drop to you know low 800s basically on literally sticking these stocks this trade in an algo that was horrendous but i don't know man i mean it's an excuse to sell does he end up closing on twitter i don't think so and the reason i don't think it happens is because if you're apollo or morgan stanley whoever's providing the financing and you want to actually come up with a business plan that justifies that price and what you're going to do. There is no plan. And for a billion dollar breakup or whatever the number is and walk away, that's, that's pennies for him. And so I'm not saying he used it as an excuse to necessarily go ahead and sell Tesla stock, but he really doesn't care about the capital markets. And he certainly doesn't care about Twitter shareholders. And the whole thing started with a 5420 price out of thin air that had nothing to do with economic value, as we know. So the whole thing's just a, you know farce to me. But it is what it is, and he's a big player in the markets, and you have to pay attention to it. But it's just to me, it's a sideshow, and a dangerous one. So, I yeah. love Friday, Danny Mo. I love Danny Mo. Anyway, I particularly love Friday, Danny Mo. <laughs> so, um, all right. Well, so let's talk about. Um, we we mentioned this on the podcast yesterday. We're starting to see like anecdotal evidence where you remember like people would like be tweeting about how hot like open houses and, and there would be cash deals and people would be lining up and they'd be tripping over each other to buy this home or that home or this other. Seems like it's kind of turned and this is purely anecdotal, turned the opposite way a little bit. You're starting to see a lot of people tweet stuff about oh um you know the prices are coming down and you know just the activity has slowed down a great deal. And so when we think about what the Fed is doing and we had a little fun with uh, mortgage rates yesterday day on the pod um you know they basically the 30-year you know mortgage has doubled in in the last year right and so when you think about um you know what we just talked about with the consumer and that sort of thing i mean might we have this sort of kind of like like little bit of a really difficult spiral as we head into the summer we know that the stimulus is gone we know the fed is raising we know that um you know inflation is is hurting um you know a lot of different consumers here and if the stock market would go down and we're gonna have enough negative wealth wealth effect from that and we have housing, you know, start to kind of get a bit softer. It seems like we've seen this movie before a little bit. Yeah, I mean, guy can answer. I can comment. I think uh, it's not a pretty picture. And you're starting to see already the Fed's gone only 25 basis points. That's what they've raised. And we're already seeing, you know, the impact of what that means. And I know that Fed fund futures are pricing in, you know, many more than that 8 to 10 this year. But, yeah, we're, we're hitting a point now where there's affordability issues, I think, I think in certain categories where you're starting to see people change their behavior, and it's happening rather quickly. And so, again, I, I think people are, are, are going out and then pulling back in what they, think, what they think the future holds, and it's not pretty if you look at it right now on what that's going to look like in the future. So things are just getting more expensive, and I think people are really starting to see it. And to your point, I think it was you or Guy mentioned the wealth effect yesterday. It has a compounding effect when negative when you have to really start to take account of everything. So listen, the Fed was buying mortgage-backed securities hand over fist, right, for years. Now they're basically going to let this stuff run run off. And why, that's why mortgage spreads have widened so much relative to treasuries, because the credit spreads are widening in anticipation of the Fed not being there. And that anticipation, Dan, is enough to cause the consternation of what's going on in the market. So, Hey, Guy, put some context. Um, 
on this Amazon gap here. You know, we had been looking at it earlier in the week. We were kind of staring at that level, you know, that kind of 2750 or something. It was kind of like the double bottom from January and March. And we'd come back down there. They had that kind of Fugazi announcement about buyback and split and all that sort of stuff. The stock had that big rip up to like 3,400 or so. And then here we are now at 2640. Just, I mean, like literally, there's just an air pocket guy down to, I, I think, yeah, maybe, like yeah, maybe 2000. Yeah, yeah, 2000 is the level. I mean, again, it's when, you know, this is a company, if you think about it, we talk, we've talked about it. When, when you see declining margins and slowing growth in their growth areas, that's problem. I mean, I'm stating the obvious, but I mean, when you have that kind of multiple, that's extraordinarily problematic. And, you know, Amazon. If you look at it, and I know you know this, it's not like the stock has performed at all over the last two years. It's been sideways, and now it's obviously cratering. So I don't know. I mean, everybody everybody seems to think stocks don't go down or they can't go lower. And everybody seems to – I'm sure people will use the word panic today, but I don't see any panic at all. I mean, the most – I think yesterday was panic buying. I mean, if you want to know the truth. Today seems pretty orderly to me. So. Well, yeah, and if you guys want a little primer on uh, when to sell tech stocks, um, on Monday I had a one-on-one -on -one conversation with Dan Benton. He was the founder of Andor Capital. This was a very prominent tech hedge fund. I think he started in 2001, and um, he was just a great tech investor. And back in the early 90s when he was at Goldman Sachs, he wrote these 20 rules for tech investing. I think it's in the show notes of the podcast that we did that dropped on Tuesday. But if you Google Dan Benton's 20 rules of tech investing, the first one is to sell growth stocks or tech stocks when their estimates start coming in or their margins start coming in, whatever those metrics are. And number 20, there's a lot of good stuff in between it. But number 20 is uh, see rule one. Um, okay. And so this is what we've been talking about for a while, just the kind of the deceleration right after that huge pull forward in 2020, the deceleration that for most companies happened in the back half of 2021. And we're starting to see it in their results and guidance now. And so let, let's try to make some sense of this, though, uh, Guy and Danny. So Microsoft and Apple, I think we can all agree, put up you know some really good quarters in a difficult environment. How likely is that to last? Like, you know, last night on Fast Money, we were talking about that Apple quarter, and it was great. I mean, like, for all intents and purposes, hey, yeah, there were some things as services were slowing and other um, products, you know what I mean, were kind of slowing a little bit. But is services slowing? Um, is that enough to say, okay, 26 times 8% expected EPS growth this year? You know, S&P is expected to have the same. We all think the S&P is at best probably low single digits earnings growth this year when it's all said and done and now we're trading what 18 17 and a half times why the hell does apple deserve to trade at 26 times because their balance sheet the moat the this the that whatever i don't know i mean so if those two stocks which were nearly five trillion dollars in market cap are they enough are they enough to keep this ship afloat because everything else sucks listen if you're running so let, let me start with this so we had chanos on last week and for anyone out there that was scheduled for like two or three months it just so happened to be that particular day but the one thing that whenever we talk to jim and i've known him for years and i totally agree with this philosophy is you re-underwrite stocks every single day every single moment if you want to and when and when momentum breaks of stocks that don't trade on fundamentals it's over meaning 
there, there's no buy point. What institution is going to step in? People don't buy stocks because they're down 70% because the argument would be they never should have been up at those levels in the first place. So you have to ignore where stocks have come from. That would be the one constructive thing that I can tell people just because the stock's down doesn't mean it's not going lower. If anything, once it shows its cards and you know you, you see what it is, it may become a better short. Second thing is that if you're running a portfolio and you're hiding in Apple and Microsoft, as your quote longs and you're running a hedge fund that runs net long and is gross two to one, right? Two to one type leverage as your shorts start to work and come down and you you find yourself overly long these names, right? Just by automatically long. So there is a problem with your portfolio construction. I think that's what's going to start to happen is and you're seeing that in some of these portfolios. You're forced to take longs down to a level because they're too big as a percentage of your portfolio, if that makes sense. So there's a lot of technicals, and but at the end of the day, fundamentals matter. And this is 2000 to me, you know, more than anything. Of all the things we try to compare it to right now, though, what I'm seeing like in some of these names, Dan, it is yeah. 2000. And you do not buy the dip on these names. Now, you can buy quality and you'll be fine in five years from now and all that. But like, don't try to pick bottoms in some of these meme stock certainly if you want to classify them that way so all right let's let's go to the aforementioned doug cast we are all big fans of doug's work he has traded through many many cycles and it's funny when you hear a lot of people whether it be on a show on tv doug goes on cnbc on on bloomberg um he writes a prolific uh newsletter on real money um and he's a great tweeter and he's been through these cycles he's seen it all before doug cast welcome to trading spaces with danny guy and myself hey bros good to see you danny can i ask you a question um, this is of my course. first time. This is my second time on the podcast. It's terrific. Well, and I'm a, I love Guy and Danny so much. Um, but anyway, I have a question about uh, cannabis stocks. I couldn't get through. We had eight minutes left. I couldn't escape out of that. Go ahead. What do you got? I need I need one paragraph from you to summarize yep. it. Yep. Okay. You want it now? You want to do it on the I spot want it right Come now? On. No. One paragraph. Give me three sentences. Your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, sentiment's never been worse. There's no institutional sponsorship. The market getting hit here has an impact because it's mostly head by, held by re retail. I think we will get, without question, some type of movement in Washington on something. Hopefully it's a banking bill that clears the way for these banks to you know, borrow money at a cheaper rate and access ATMs and bank accounts like they should be able to. Um, I think we, we're going to go through one more phase here, and I do believe that we're on the precipice of still the greatest – macro secular trade that i've seen in any sector uh in my career honestly i, I don't believe there's been anything like this and so i'm hanging like in there Sandler. yeah exactly well i was with ricky last week so maybe That's i should maybe right. but uh no no but it is from a secular perspective it, it has massive tailwinds these companies have to fight through you know 70 percent tax rates right as you know with the section 280 and all these things so and what they've accomplished is incredible but here's here's the problem doug i'll leave you with this i was talking to someone last week about it it said, this stock XYZ doesn't do anything. It's down 15, 20%. I'm like, yeah, it's down 15%, but the market cap's up 50%. These companies are forced to issue equity, right, for growth or for deals and so forth. And it's just not a capital-friendly sector right now. But I believe in it, um, and I, I believe in the sector. And just talk to any alcohol company. Anyone out there that just call your if you own if you own shares in a in a public CPG or specifically a beverage alcohol company, they are the barbarians at the gate. They are, they are waiting uh, to come into the sector. So, and the worrisome thing to me is that yeah. beginning in November, we began to see a deterioration in demand versus supply, and a lot of the uh, perma bulls in the cannabis space were reluctant to address it, and that includes um, 
um, the excited um, sell side. And um, so it seems to me that the ne- as things got worse, and they're not getting better. If you look, if you listen to Verano's conference call, they drew guidance and they're looking for single-digit declines in sales sequentially. The driver to the stocks becomes legislation. It seems to me very hard to expect, and I'm sure Danny agrees. The other Dan agrees to me with me, Dan Nathan, that as we move towards midterm elections, the likelihood of the Republicans going along with the Schumer-based um, um, uh, federal legalization plan is virtually zero. Well, so then you're left. So then yeah. you're left with a pretty slow rollout, state rollout, um, uh, an imbalance between supply and demand, stocks in very bad hands, in levered hands, uh, and uplistings become not a 2022 but a 2024 event. So let me answer that. So I don't believe the Schumer bill was ne- is dead on arrival and he knows it in the last three days. If you've been watching the, what Booker's been saying, what Murray's been saying, she's the third most powerful senator on that. They're all coming on board right now. And there's a very good chance. Isaac wrote a great note that it's going to be in the competes act, right? That's dead on arrival. That's COA. That's not going to happen. So the president started pardoning people um, and doing all this stuff. That's, that's not a coincidence, right? The second thing I'll say is here's the problem. These states in New York and now Jersey, which has finally imp- implemented the program, decriminalized, but they didn't enforce anything. So the, the black market has been taking market share. To your point, Doug, that's what you're seeing is, is, the, is those guys losing market share to the black market. I think that's right, of temporary. Course, you have the t- as you said, you have the tax difference. Exactly. So really I think it comes back. Corners. So listen, this is not for the faint of heart. I like him with these valuations. I'm sure Dan and Guy don't want to talk about no, no. Hey, Dougie, stuff anymore. But yeah, but I, yeah. Dougie, yes, I want to hear your thoughts, man. Like, what what was your – you were on – you were listening to us chat a little bit about, you know, um, the GDP print, um, the big well, before, tech earnings. Before, before yeah. Dougie answers, I got to fly. Doug, I love you. I See hope you, you have a proprietary trading system and maybe a depth charge or a heat seeker to help you through it. And as Go long as you're selling upside calls against everything, you can stay in the market in Go perpetuity. Hoyas. Guy, why do you have to leave? You're just getting warmed up, buddy. I'm going to, I'm going to my niece's wedding, so I got to find out. Can respond to your question really quick? Yeah. I, I'm an odd, I, I'm, I disagree with Dan Moses on the banks. And it's, I don't know much about anything, but I do know something about banks. I wrote a yeah. book called Citibank with Ralph Nader. And I was the number one bank analyst in Wall Street for a long time at Putnam. Um, bank stocks are, see, to me, bank stocks are what cannabis is to Danny Moses right now. I just started buying, so I yeah. have, you know, I don't have. You know, Dougie, there. the point I've made about J.P. Morgan, I know you've watched the show. Like, I've said what's happening with them specifically is the market's finally realizing that when they were trading at two and a half times tangible book, I mean, this is not 2007 anymore. Right. You've so, been saying that for a long time and you were right. And I think now the stocks have now, at least it's at a more reasonable value. That's, I mean, amongst the many metrics to me, that's one of the more, I, I do think ones. the concern getting back to Danny Moses, trying to put a finger on the concerns um, is a several fold. Um, I'm on the board of a large mortgage company in the New York Stock Exchange. We just fired a large percentage of our people in the origination business. The originations are going to zero. I think that the state of the consumer is greatly overstated. Um, refinancings are very important to personal consumption expenditures, and uh, they're basically going to zero. The other thing is that if you read Peter Bookvar and Daniel DiMartino Booth today, 
And this is something I've been writing about when I spoke on overtime with Watner a couple of weeks ago. People are looking at the the Amex, the Visa numbers for the last quarter. They're not looking at the drawdown of the savings rate, which is now below where it was in 2013. And that is my really big concern, especially in the lower middle class when um, when their real disposable incomes are totally getting schmiced because of inflation uh, and their savings rates are now savings are run down. This is a real problem. And I, that's why you see weakness in the consumer banks, Wells Fargo and Citibank, for example, in particular. The last thing I want to mention in terms of the market, Dan, which you guys haven't discussed, is market structure. There's a bunch of uh, there's a bunch of funds that are heavily in technology, including what I facetiously call long term tiger management. And um, Phil Lafont, what's his name, Dan? Phil Lafont, Kotu, Kotu or something. What's his hedge fund? Kotu. Yeah. Kotu. These guys have weightings like you've never seen in technology. And I know for a fact that some very large funds that are technology-based, I don't know if it's them, are being liquidated in the last two days. And when I say they're being liquidated, I'm talking about 30 and $40 billion funds. I think some of those beta neutral are taking turns down of leverage probably is really what you're talking well, about. Risk parity, risk parity exactly. is, is destroyed. Right. Nathan will tell you. The unprecedented decline so, in, in both fixed income and equities in the same so Doug, period. So, Doug, I got a question for you in one paragraph. So the banks are the their clients. Those are their clients. Right? This is where they make their bread and butter. This is where they make their money. And so I think the banks and some of these Wall Street banks are telling us, by the way, these stocks are trading, that business is slowing. And that's a huge moneymaker. I mean, the shorting in the huge, market. Danny, it's a, a huge money maker. But if you look at banks, people look at interest rates and NIM, that interest margin, et cetera. I get it. Where the stocks really do the best, and it's the environment we're coming into, is something that no one looks at. It's when the rate of savings deposit growth exceeds that of loan growth. Not when there's stagflation, Doug. I mean, it's not. This is not a pretty picture for well, the banks. I, I don't think we're getting stagflation. I call it slugflation. It's sluggish yeah. growth. It's, it's not okay. stagnating growth. We're getting we're getting growth. Even the, even the fourth even the quarter print, um, the first quarter print adjusted for uh, imports exports was nothing. It was not half as bad as people said. The comps, yeah. but the, you know the the comps are going to start to be they're very difficult already. You start to look at second quarter year over year, third quarter, fourth. Those were gangbusters because you were coming off of the COVID in twenty. So I just think that's the other thing you're seeing. But, you know, again, I think. Well, listen. hold on. But, Doug, so let me ask you, though, this, Doug, because I read your stuff and, and you tweet pretty aggressively. I mean, you don't seem to be particularly optimistic um, about the consumer, where we are in the cycle. Um, I, I'm definitely a little bit at a loss, depending upon what I know your time horizons and on banks, but but on the long side. Um, but like. What do you th- I mean, like, what do you feel about the market right now overall? Like, just, just, just kind of like. I felt for the first time in the last couple of days that con- the concerns that we all have, that you have, and Danny Nathan and Danny Moses and, mm-hmm. and Guy who left, and me, and I've been expressing it because I've called it the bear market of 2022 in January. Mm-hmm. Um, I think these are known knowns now. And first level thinking is. You know, the company's going to have great earnings. The stock's going to go up. Second level thinking is the company's has great earnings, but is it discounted? So I think that if you apply second second level thinking, I think that we're beginning to uh, absorb the negatives and beginning to discount the negatives. 
So mm. when I, you know, I just started my hedge fund at the end of last year, and this this is no fun. Um, but you know, we're still modestly up for the year, which I think is a, a pretty good. Uh, Doug, 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 I know we're going to go back to the markets here in a second, but I think you would agree we're in uncharted territory. We're 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 part of this Fed experiment that's been going on for 13 years, 14 years, and it's ending. Dan, and no, everyone, no one knows. I understand that. Doug, Six months ago or four months ago or three months ago, even two months ago, um, uh, the majority of investors didn't concern, didn't share the concerns that I had, you had, Danny Nathan had, and Guy had. Now everyone knows it. Doug, everyone thinks the Fed's going to blink. I disagree. I think the people that are staying in the market believe that the Fed's going to blink because they are trained that way. The no, moral I don't hazard. Think they're going to blink. I think they're going to go fifty-three times in a row and pull us. Well, then the market. Well, if they go fifty-three times in a row from now. The, the sell in May go away has never been more apropos. No, but Dan, it's than, already yes. it's it's already in fixed income. That's where I it's, disagree. Okay. You, you know, I, everyone is. Listen, uh, I, I, is, I believe fi- fixed income leads everything. So you're not going to get an argument from me. But I'm t- I don't believe the equity markets are pricing in the appropriate risk that the fixed income market is telling us it's going to happen. The banks are down because look, the cre- look, credit reserves Dan, are going to have Dan, to go up on the I'm corporate just, and the I'm, consumer. I'm about 14% net long, so I obviously yeah. share some of your concerns. But yeah. all I'm saying is I was 5% net short you know, a couple of weeks ago, and I'm moving further net long. And I'm not a long guy. Dan Nathan will tell you. <laughs> I hate stocks. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Well, listen, Dougie, we really appreciate you jumping on here. Thanks Thank for you listening. very much. Have a great weekend, bud. Thank you. Hey, Moses, thanks for the stuff on cannabis. I appreciate it. Thanks, Doug. All right, Danny. So let, let's just talk about this because, again, you know, you and I and, uh, and and Guy, I mean, we've been we've been talking about we started our podcast on the first week of January of 2021. And, and the irony there was then when all that like craziness was going with SPAC issuance, with meme stocks, with shit coins, with the, the, the excitement around NFTs, we all looked at it and we're like, oh, my God, this is just a disaster waiting to happen. Right. And you guys can go. It's time stamped every week, Friday mornings on the tape. Right. Like we we would, um, you know, we'd have these conversations. And so, you know, Doug just said he in January called it the bear market of 2022. Well, for large swaths of the stock market. We had a bear market in 2021, despite the S&P 500 being up 26%, not counting dividends, right? So um, your point, Danny, I think what, you, what you've made eloquently on many occasions is that if you're still in the market with the S&P down 11% on the year or whatever it is in the stock market, and listen, we're all in the stock market. I get it, I get it, I get it, okay? Like, we're all in the stock market. No one's saying go to cash or this or whatever. It's really about, for us, as like quasi-pundits, or I'm full-on, Danny, you just kind of dip your toe in every once in a while. We're just trying to kind of make some light of, you know, the different cycles that we've been in, that we've traded through, and and kind of try to... I don't know, like, uh, like take some things out of it. And to me, I just think what happened in 2021 with the S&P and the NASDAQ up the way they were and so much devastation under the hood, there is no way, there is no way that this cannot end in some sort of capitulative sort of fashion and down 11% on the year. And the S&P is just not it. And especially when you consider the fact that the Fed is about to do something at a Fed meeting that they have not done in 22 years. May of 2000 was the last time that they raised interest rates 50 basis points, okay? And I know a lot of stuff is different, but at the time, nobody thought the 
economy was about to take a shit. All right. Right, Danny, you would agree with that? Yeah. In May of 2000. And so if anyone's hanging on to the belief that the economy is still strong, to your point, Danny, they bought trillions and trillions of dollars of treasuries and mortgage-backed securities just to make you believe that whatever is going on in the economy right now or over the last six to nine months has been strong. It has not been. Give it to me. Yeah, I mean, listen, I honestly, whether people want to believe it or not, anyone that knows me, I'm very passionate about the markets. I don't talk my book because I want people to come in behind me and, and help my positions at all. I actually frustrates me over time seeing people, I believe, Dan, to your point, not understanding what's happening, not understanding, you know, the game that they're really playing here. And we are starting to finally see, you know, when you see Robinhood, basically their business is shrinking, right? This was a company that just went public, you know, a year ago, whenever it was, not even, you know, it was listed yeah, when you, April. When, yeah, it was April. I mean, so when you see that stuff quickly, the kind of last in, first out happen, who are their clients? Those are the people that I think are the ones that need to pay more attention, the ones that have gotten hurt and will continue to get hurt. And when you have these moves in the market down 100 points on the S&P or 120 or, you know, 3% almost and then up 2%, let's not kid ourselves. Anyone trying to trade that's losing money each of those three days. You know, they're, they're, they're selling at the lows, they're buying back at the highs, then they're reselling at the lows. This is not a market you want to be messing around in like that, in my opinion. And to your point, Dan, the market's been unhealthy for a long time. It's been masked by the, the horses, as you call them, in the S&P and the Qs, mm -hmm. NASDAQ. And everything that's been going on below the surface has been awful for, for, for the last year. Has, think about it. It was dysfunctioning and doing that before the Fed even ever made a move. And yes, the tragic situation in Ukraine added a lot of fuel to this inflation stuff. It did. And those aren't things you can prepare for, invest in. But it's happened and it's real. And that was the to me, the seal of fate, at least for what the Fed and their inability to blink at this point. So I traded through fundamental tapes until 2008, nine. And once the Fed came in, everything was muddied. I mean, you couldn't fundamentals rarely mattered. I mean, they matter, but they didn't. And so coming out of this in late in early 21, we were talking about it. We were starting to get the feeling that the Fed was going to start to pull back or at least try to do that right before they come in, obviously, in 20 during COVID and they put mm -hmm. in another stimulus. And so that has an impact. The drug is coming out of the system. There's a drug addiction that went on for this market, and that's all it is. And you better own quality, and you better know what you own, but don't try to chase these stocks that don't trade on fundamentals thinking you're going to miss them in FOMO on the way back up and think, oh, I can't believe I sold it there. That's all. It's behavioral finance 101 at the end of the day. And you know, don't believe anything that a lot of these CEOs tell you. I always say that. And when you get caught up in these too good to be true sectors like a buy now, pay later, or these platforms that think they've reintroduced commoditized lending and they're using rent to banks. There's so many things that you have to look past just what people are saying. So yeah. I don't know, man, I'm well, all, it's I'm just all funny. fired up today, it's, yeah. I know, but when I look at my screens and, and your point about owning quality, okay, you could own staples. If you think that energy is cheap and you think there's a bull case for energy, our friends Porter and Vinny from Seawolf has made the case for, like, I, actually since the first time they came on the pod, I think it was in January of 2021, they were they were pounding that um you know they were, were they were banging that drum as were you right so there, there's plenty you know there, there's plenty of areas to find value i guess there's plenty of areas to find quality you know when you think about quality though as it relates to the mega cap you know like the s&p 500 i mean 
Microsoft and Apple, you'd say, are, are high quality names. They're just trading very like they're trading very expensive to their history at about 26 times. And, you know, they are outperforming, obviously, almost everything in the mega cap land. I see Apple down 10 and a half percent of the year and Microsoft down 16 and a half percent. And they are 20 percent of the um, of the Nasdaq right there. Right. And they're probably close to 10 percent um, of the S&P 500. So I guess my point is, is if you were to lose that quality as far as it relates to we see correlations go up that then it's kind of hold on up. hold on dan uh, uh, we uh, there's an olympic rower which is just <laughs> he's about to speak he's there he's hi he's guys on the speaker channel hey donkey how are you how are you man <laughs> happy friday Dude, so do, i get asked about jp morgan i would try to call you on the side before i answered doug comes after me on the banks dougie cast you're the guy to ask what the hell is going on in jp morgan in the banks and do you agree with what i've been saying or yeah. I, uh, first of all, I, sorry, I apologize. I've been at the uh, DirtCon 3, which is the, our friend Jared Dillon's conference. So I don't know what you've been saying on uh, JP. All right. Porter. So let me just say this. Hold on. Okay. So this is Porter Collins. Right. Come on. Vinny, Vinny Porter and I were partners at a, a hedge fund called Seawolf. They're still continuing it and doing very well. We've known each other for years. We were part of Steve Eisman's team together. We've seen the end of the world. But on top of it, Porter, no, no joke, is a two-time Olympic rower. And to work with him is somewhat annoying since he <laughs> never stops with anything. So when you're when you're working with a, someone that competed in the Olympics, it makes it very difficult. But uh, anyway, Porter, you made me a better trader and everything who I am. So give us your thoughts here on what's going on. Well, I, I think the, the 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 banks are kind of easy to understand. I mean, listen, the, the, the banks in general are a big bucket of credit risk and, and and a lot of it. And you know, I think that if I do the the easier point out is look at look at Deutsche Bank, look at Credit Suisse, look at some of these European banks. They have a ton of Russian exposure. They have, uh, you know, they have, they have a lot of credit risk and they, you know, usually the, the, the worst ones lend to the worst credits. And so, you know, am I worried about JP Morgan? No, absolutely not. I think it's fine. Do I do what I think about the equity? Uh, you know, tell, tell me when the bear market's over and I'll buy a lot of it. But until that time, there's not a lot of it's scary. Owning financials. It's, it's scary owning financials because they're they're levered entities with a lot of credit risk. So, so Porter. Yep. Hey, bud. How are you? So, first of all, Guy Adami is 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 really so bummed that he's not here right now. You know, he's like your biggest fan here. But um, yeah. And my point about JP is is not was not that it's not you know the 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 european banks with the exposures that they have and the and the shitty balance sheets and all that sort of stuff but my my point and you missed it earlier because you were at the daily dirt nap um i hope that thing's going well um is that what is it saying to you i'm just saying like anytime you would see the highest quality bank stock lead to the downside it's literally underperforming you know relative to the nasdaq you you know what i mean like what is that saying to you just from a sentiment standpoint especially with the s&p only down what 11 percent on the year and it's this thing is down you know 20 percent and 25 percent from its highs listen it it was it, it i think a lot of it is mixed up in there was a big value trade that came on that people wanted to own value and and because they couldn't jump back into to energy that only left financials and so jp morgan got to two times book value which for jp morgan is very expensive and i think that you're now seeing some of that bleed out and sort of come back to reality and j and jamie at, i think it was his fourth quarter conference call 
said he's basically he doesn't care and he's investing in the business. And so that obviously takes numbers down. And so it's a little bit of a pay numbers are coming down before all this happens. And then you layer on credit risk and momentum and the kind of trade just feeds on itself. And so, you know, it's like, uh, you know, some of these markets, there's a lot of feel like, you know, you got to feel when they're bottoming and, 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 you know, there's no science behind, you know, when do you buy this stuff? I, I just think that, uh, right now, it's a sell first, ask questions later. And, there, and as you guys know, there's a lot of leverage and there's a lot of retail and there's a, a lot of people who are young to this market in there. And so. Hey, Porter, uh, someone yeah. has a question. Just yes. to move on here about sure. energy stocks, because okay. you guys were early to energy. Yeah. What's what's your current thoughts here on the energy stocks? Uh, I just don't. I, it's <laughs> funny that some guy asked me today, he's like, what's your single favorite idea? I was like, well, you know, I, I still like this energy trade. I, I, I don't. <laughs> I think it's more than a one-year trade, and he's, you know, his point was, oh, you know, I've missed it, and you know, what about in a recession and all, all this type of stuff? And so, listen, yes, the, the the risk is that there's a bigger than expected recession. I don't know if I believe that. I, I still think there's a lot of nominal growth in the world, um, and so I. I I'm not calling for a soft right. landing, but if, but it, listen again. I said it earlier on your show. If you're if you're constructive ish on the on the in the economy, there's going to be a lot of oil demand, and the, the, these there's not a supply response coming because first of all, people are scared there's a recession, and second of all, there's no drilling going on, and so whether it's whether it's oil, whether it's gas, whether it's coal, you know, these stocks are not expensive, and they're you know I don't know if you. Pull up the chart of Arch Coal recently. You know they, they, they're now debt, uh, net cash, and returning special dividends. I mean, and is that good? Uh, that's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> By uh, the you, way, you own cash flow. That's fine. I we got um, scared of cash flow. Another Seawolf, uh, oh. Vincent Daniel. Let's welcome Vincent Daniel front stage. <laughs> Vinny Daniel. Um, so Vincent and I were, and Porter were partners, as I just mentioned. Vinny's been on our podcast several times, along with Porter. Um, we obviously have a very jaded view of the world, but it comes from experience. And the, I don't wait, speak- hold on. The investment world. These are the investment the, world. The three of the, the biggest world. optimists and most fun people I know. Yeah. Hi, Vinny. How so are you Vinny? doing, guys? See, I, even I'm- Dan, even you think Danny is an optimist. Yes. <laughs> Vinny, <laughs> oh. Vinny, what? What's going on? What What do we do Dan, here? I'm, I'm a little yeah. nervous because Danny's going to get really angry. I'm sitting oh, in the no. middle of Forest Hills train station, so. A- a train can pass, so if I if you hear wind or anything, Danny, or, or undue noises, don't yell at me. I like Forest Hills, so, the best. Okay, so, um, go ahead. Just trying to get home. And by the way, just a little antidote, uh, old Seawolf thing. Uh, yeah. Uber was charging you an arm and a leg. Uh, the airports were like jam packed. Not saying that's a leading indicator, but it was incredible. It's good for oil demand. That's what. That's so, good for. yes, yes, it was. Yeah. So. Um, how you doing, guys? What's going so, on? Vinny, give some words of wisdom here. We're going to wrap up in a few minutes, I think. But uh, what are you seeing here, and, and what would you own, and what would you avoid, and what is the market telling us here? Well, I, look, I go back to when we were on your show uh, a few weeks back, and, and I still am not in love with owning much or, or the things until the Fed starts to blink. So I think one of the more important questions we have to start asking ourselves is, if and when will they, right? And so I, I think the first time we have to 
try to maybe ask ourselves that question, will they blink, is if the S&P is down, I initially thought maybe 15%, but they really want to make a statement, so maybe it's down S&P down 20% year-to-date, right? Uh, we're not there yet, uh, but we're heading in that direction, as we know. Uh, so, like, I would try, in general, to at least avoid the market or at least the, the, the cap-weighted portion of the market. Uh, and then from there, I would be, like, kind of similar to what Porter was just saying. I'd be buying some of the dips on these energy names. Uh, but, you know, I'm kind of nervous, so I'm very I, reluctant to buy things quickly. Van, I, I mean, I would say the only blink the Fed could really make is the quantitative tightening. Um, and well, let's maybe be clear, they, Danny. Let's be clear yeah. Danny. They're never doing quantitative tightening. Well, that's what I thought, and I think that. But I'm saying people believe uh, they that, are. That's so, my view. Uh, so there will be a dovish day in the markets if that if, if they say we're going to wait and see how it plays out, but they still do the 50-50, their backup, their hedges, that they say, all right, we're evaluating the impact that these rate hikes will have on the economy, and we're going we're gonna to evaluate portfolio runoff later in the summer. That's a, you know, relative to where we are right now, that, that'll give people enough reason to go chase this market. I wouldn't, and that, I think it sells right, right back off, but that's Vinny's point. That's the that's hidden. That's second derivative dovish, right? Exactly. Like, so, so, so the, you know. Wait, let, let me ask go Porter ahead, a question while, hey, Porter, so sure. if this is Seawolf and it's the three of you guys and it's the week that we had and you guys were jamming all week on all of these major earnings, right? And um, we're running you know, around the like, office naked. Yeah. Sorry, like, what, would, what, would you, what would you guys be doing at 3.50 on a Friday afternoon, the week before the Fed is about to raise interest rates, 50 basis points, only its second raise in years, but its first 50 basis point increase at a meeting since may of 2000 what would you guys be doing and saying how would you be positioning yourselves and, and again I know, I know that you guys are managing great the fund right now i'm just curious listen it's pretty easy to, to, to take a step back from it like the, the fed's tightening you coming through one of the biggest bubbles we've ever seen right in some of this stuff and certain the, the tide's coming out look at we, we've been banging around and you have and about carvana for a long time but Wow, this is a fall from grace, and you know we told everyone, and and it it it's coming, and so I just think there's going to be a lot more of that, and you know when when the leverage comes out of the system, and then sort of the fluff comes out, there's going to be a lot more train wrecks. I mean, just you, you got the Bill Wang this week. I think people had opened people's eyes again that hey, maybe the the the, the, the regulators can police it. I, listen, I thought that was a, a pretty optimistic take of. of the, 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 the regulators did something. They, they, they arrested Bill Wang. See, yeah, we're good, optimistic when I'm, people get arrested. We like yes, that. Yes, yeah. I'm very positive on that. Like, you can't have good markets and, and let criminals run around all over the place. So, so I'm, super, I'm, I'm super bullish on people getting arrested. So, Porter, <laughs> let, me, let me just say, let me just say, and I see if you and Vinny, I know Dan's going to wrap it up, but, you know, I don't think people realize it. So during the mortgage crisis, everything, all the programs that came in, right? The TARP, the TALF, the PPIP, the everything. Like it ran out of acronyms to do it. We've never fully paid the, paid the prices maybe too strong of a word, but the market never realized in a, in a real world how to correct itself. Meaning we're just now finally 13, 14 years later. Think about it. We tried a little bit in 2018. Dan, what did the market do in Q4 2018? It was down 19.9%. 19.9%. We tried it once. We've tried it iterations. Now we're going. And so we haven't had it unwind since 2000, literally 2010, 2011, right? When they figured out how to stymie all this stuff. That to me is 
a push out. We are now going to see what was not. It won't be as horrible as it would have been potentially yeah. if they let everything fail. But anyway, I, I just I just feel like can, that's what we're going to. The, the only the only thing I would say, yeah. Danny, is that like I don't like when people call call for a crash because I, I I'm not calling impossible. for a crash. No, I, I know that, but like an unwinder, like I, it's hard to like I, I'm I'm not good at that. Like I think we see it for hey, stocks are really over overvalued. A lot of tech earnings are decelerating, right? You have marketing spends slowing. I I, I just think you're seeing the yep. Uh, the fundamentals play out here, and this is not a like. It just things are slow. Well, well, Porter, and, hold on one second. Right? So, 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 no one's calling for a crash like like yep. a Black Monday. I know. Hey, listen, I traded all dude through through two thousand oh one oh two. That was just a protracted bear market. They call it the dot com crash, but it was excruciating two years. The global financial crisis really was a slow motion train wreck. Right? There were some horrible days in the fall of two thousand and eight. But again, that was a protracted bear market. And Chano said on the podcast uh, a couple weeks ago, he's like the similarities to two thousand are just remarkable. And the reason I'm saying that, Porter, is you just mentioned uh, like five similarities to two thousand. So no one's saying this. This is going to be like a wipeout on a Monday, Tuesday, or anything like that. Porter, I'd love to get, or excuse me, Vinny, I'd love to get your quick take, man. And we're going to hop in a few minutes, but um, I'm just like, what, what? What are your thoughts? We talked a couple weeks ago when you and Porter were on the pod, but what's changed since then? What you've learned with you know big earnings and, and the guidance and that sort of thing? Is it making you feel incrementally a little less bearish? Not, not really. The only thing that's making me feel a little less bearish is price, right? But, 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 these stocks are coming down. They're doing what we thought that they would do, right? And so as a result, to me, like, then you start to say, you know, all right, I'll give you a great example. We did this with Netflix the other day, right? We looked at Netflix and said, let's take top-down math, very simple. How much would a guy like us value people pay for this? And we looked at the estimates for 2023, and we slapped a 14 PE multiple. And interestingly, Netflix doesn't do the gap adjusted BS. Uh, and that came out to be about $150, $175. Stocks right? at $190. So, so you, you know, Disney, we did the same thing with Disney, $90, $90 to $100, right? So, like, you're starting to get into the zone where at least we could start to have a conversation. I'm not saying we would buy it, but at least we're having a conversation. What's interesting to me is there were people buying this thing at $650, and telling you it was going to a thousand because it was on a multiple of revenues, and they were, you know, go going to go from 240 million subscribers to to 600 million, right? So, like, the bid ask between when a value guy buys a stock, and when a or a person buys a stock, and a growth person buys a stock is so wide, right? But we're now getting closer to to closer to where we can at least look at these things. I guess that's the most bullish thing I could say. Porter and Daniel yell at me. <laughs> no, I, I like that. I mean, I was looking at Disney. Disney is just the wrong multiple. It was like 26 times yesterday or two days ago. It's just not cheap enough yet. Danny, one last thing, because yeah. before when these guys were on with us last, we did talk a little Tesla. What did you learn about the quarter that they just reported? What do you guys think about uh, Musk really? spending? Yeah, I want to hear about it. I don't want to. I mean, it's not hold enough. On, hold on. Time. I want to point out one of a awesome tweet that Chandos put pointed out. Chandos retweeted Elon's tweet from I think it was 2013. He yeah. says, I was the first shareholder in. I'll be the last one to leave. Give it to us. What do you think? Is this a big ruse so we could just sell all his Tesla stock and 
move to Mars and tweet from Mars? It's actually not a bad, like, if you think about it, let's get away from the hatred. It's not a bad idea. Like, if you're looking, I, I mean, I agree. to a certain extent, if you look at evaluation, what would I rather own? I think I'd rather own Twitter than Tesla, for, purely from evaluation. What does he know about running Finney? What, what, what economic reason? That's definition. What, what, he wants to control the narrative. We know why he's doing it. We know why he's doing it. I get yeah. it. But, but Twitter is like, just look at the revenues per subscriber for Twitter versus Facebook, right? There is upside potential. Stop being so bullish. I'm yeah, cut them off. You... I'm basically saying I would sell Tesla to buy Twitter. I would. Oh, when Vinny, when Vinny is the voice of reason in the group, you know we're all freaking we're stupid. all dead. Yeah. So, I got time to short oh, stuff before Dan. Are we getting off? What, what are we doing? Because uh... and Dan, by the way, your interview with Dan Benton I thought was excellent. Except oh, for the bullish Tesla stuff, but everything else was really, you know, these guys who've been through long periods of the market have really good things to say it's i mean he you know he points out his his his, uh, his list is great yeah he was great thank you i appreciate way, Dan, it you guys. Dan, yeah i mean i know this is we're building on the theme but the market is down significantly i want to go put on some hedging oh my put god <laughs> yeah. oh my god yeah. all right all right go, on, go on that note well, here, here's the deal. Yeah. Um, thank you. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks to, to Vinny and Porter. We love you guys um, and, and for joining us. I'm so jealous every day that you, that you Danny, and uh, you guys got to work together for as long as you did. I mean, Guy and I have just been toughing it out together, tolerating each other for all these years. But I uh, hope you guys will come back on the space. And obviously, you guys know the mic is always open to you on, on the tape. Thanks, everyone, for right. listening well, we're gonna on this go Friday. To Met, we're going to go to Met Game first. Met Game I, first, on the tape, and then... Uh, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> In Stevie's box, maybe. You know, we'll That'd see if awesome. he's got a, a little extra room. But thank you guys. And, thanks, guys. and uh, thanks for Have a great weekend, everybody. Good Sammy luck to everybody. Group.